0: To the God is Awesome podcast, um, and we are so happy to have you here. My name is Aaron, I'll be your host for this show. Uh, we are so excited uh, to have Kate on the show. Kate, say what's up to everybody.
1: What's up? What's
0: up? Um, so on this show, uh, we, we interview other Christians and other people about what how God has worked in their wow. life, the testimony, how they came to Christ, and all that. And, um, so we're just super excited to have you, Kate. Um, I'm super excited to have you. I've known you for a quite some time now and um, really just gonna dive into who you are tell us a little bit about about yourself from like birth your childhood your history your how you grew up your parents and how you met Christ maybe give us some background how long you've been a Christian that?
1: yeah big bets um well I mean I I kind of like grew up in the church I've pretty much I guess been considered a Christian for most of my life um but when i was i want to say about 2 my my dad actually ended up leaving my mom so i was um i was just raised by a single parent it was just me and my brother with my mom wow. so i had like grown up in the church and um i don't know i guess because i never really had like what it meant to be raised by two parents i always just kind of like thought of things myself because my mom was busy working trying to like you know keep a, a roof over our head so like my brother did most of my raising of me and my grandparents mm-hmm. and i mean that kind of like that kind of like pushed me into like a direction of having to grow up really fast having to learn things you know fast and um
0: what what happened so your dad left your mom
1: yeah, he, he, was, um, he was cheating on her and actually left. He left her for the woman that he's still married to today, actually. Okay. And just kind of left us to fend for ourselves. Didn't, you know, didn't leave my mom with much. Actually did he, nothing. Did
0: he help you? Did he raise you? Did he give you discipline? No.
1: Never kept in contact. Just completely dropped off the face of the earth. Every now and again, we'd get like a birthday call. But that's about it. I only ever really knew his voice. I never knew him in person.
0: So you never had a relationship with him? Never. No. Yeah. No. Never. Wow. No financial support? No nothing? Nope.
1: No. So it all
0: fell on your mom and your brother? Say again? So it all fell on your mom and your brother?
1: Yes. All yep. Right. So my mom and my brother. And then, of course, I mean, we had help from, like, our fam- like family members. But they also had families to raise themselves. So, yeah,
0: right.
1: you know, but... um. But yeah, like in the midst of that, you know, um, my mom was just trying to make ends meet. And Mm -hmm. then I think I was, I want to say about fourth grade, my mom moved us out to like a small town called Tavares. I guess it's more considered uh, to be closer to Orlando. Most people would know that area better. And um, yeah, I think from there, I just started experiencing all these like crazy rejection like feelings that I had never felt before, because, you know, like my mom did a really good job of loving us so that like, you know, we wouldn't ever feel like, you know, not having our dad around wasn't enough. But I think, you know, being a younger girl and not having her dad, it's like, you, you fall into this, like, what was wrong with me? You know, what did I do wrong that my biological father couldn't even love me? You know,
0: what kind of does that show itself this feeling of rejection. What does that look like?
1: Um, I mean, I just kind of, I, I, I don't even really know how that feeling started to present itself. I just remember waking up one day and just being like, wow, I, I have like this emptiness inside of me and I don't know where it's from. And instead of, you know, like filling it, you know, within like our church and stuff, I, I ended up like filling it with just like a bunch of friends, like, because I, I have a very outgoing personality. So I just started, you know gaining like a lot of friends to keep filling that void and just like started hanging out with people left and right. And, um, and then I would be like, Oh, okay, well, I don't know if they're like really my friend because maybe there's something wrong with me. And, you know, and then I started to like kind of back away and then I went through like a bullying phase where like I was getting bullied and, all of that, reje- like, it just stemmed from rejection, you know, not feeling like I was good enough for people.
0: So did you feel like you couldn't be your full self around people like you had to earn their approval? or something?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So I, w- I was like a try hard, you know, I, I yeah. had to like, try to be super cool, like everyone else when I was younger, and just like, okay, well, yeah, sure. I'll do that. That's weird. But I'll do it. <laughs> You'll be my friend.
0: Did, get, did that get you in trouble? Like, what did that look like being 100%. a child? Hundred percent.
1: I actually, um, I actually ended up being nominated in my elementary school for class clown because I was just like, I always acted out. I was, I mean, I'm super funny, anyways, but, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, um, I was just always acting out, always trying to gain attention any way I possibly could, uh-huh. and that all of that was completely stemmed from rejection. And then, in you know, going into middle school, that's when I was introduced to you know just all the wrong type of people and i met this one girl and she like smoked cigarettes sixth grade i started smoking cigarettes <laughs> yes started smoking cigarettes in the in the school bathroom everything i would like go into lunch just like smelling like a huge cigarette it was. Gross.
0: Who, who gives a child a little baby who just finished wetting the bed some cigarettes to smoke and like what? How does that even, I don't know.
1: I, know it's cr- I didn't even know. I didn't even know that that was like a thing. I was like, "So you smoke cigarettes? What? Like, what is that? Like, okay, sure, I'll try one. Are you gonna be my friend, though?"
0: <laughs> okay. All right.
1: Yeah. So like, and I mean, she was kind of like that tip of the iceberg for me, and I started hanging out with her because she was cool. You know, like people liked her, so I was like, "Okay, like, I'm just gonna." be her friend and then I'll gain friends and gain people's like and you know people will start to like me because I'm like a cool like edgy person now
0: and- <laughs> Like, look at me I'm this edgy- yeah like,
1: like look I'm smoking a cigarette how cool am I right
0: wow. no that's cr- crazy because it's like yeah I mean like I, I guess I hear these stories about like a six six year old or sixth grader smoking cigarettes but it's like
1: oh no it's very very real yeah And it's funny because I, I always thought in my head, you know, like growing up, like all my cousins, they, you know, they, they grew up very well off and and my family had like a lot and always provided for them. They grew up with their parents and like, I would come and visit them and be like, you guys will never guess what I did. And they're just like, why would you do that? And I'm just like, wait, that's like the thing to do though. Mm -hmm. Like that's what cool people do. Right.
0: And it all stems from rejection from your father then.
1: That is... I mean, over the years of me praying about it and God, like really just taking control of like my mind and thinking that that's always been where he's appointed me to where all that stems from, you know, not feeling like I'm good enough in relationships, um, whether it be in like friendships or like actual relationships. And from day one, that's where it stemmed from. And like my acting out and always like needing attention in many different ways. I think that is completely in. Utterly all stemmed from rejection from my dad leaving.
0: So there's like a, a huge like attention magnet in you that you just need because yeah. you didn't get still so, like after years of like reflecting on this kind of stuff, this kind of where you landed with it. Yeah. That's rough, man. That's rough. Yeah. Like what, what do you say to a girl who's, who's kind of maybe dealt with no. that kind of stuff?
1: I mean, it's kind of hard because I know that when I was in that situation, it's like no one could tell me anything. And I really just, you know, growing up having to, I guess, grow up really, really fast. I always had like a very independent um, personality, Mm -hmm. but always had this sense of dependency. So, I mean, like if I, if I were to talk to anyone that would kind of go through that or a young girl that's going through that, I would just, I would just always encourage her to kind of like stray more into kind of like the church side of it and feel like fill the voids that you're feeling inside of you with God. Because the worst thing I did was stray away. People always think, Oh yeah, all the earthly things are going to like, you know, like, like drugs, drinking, partying, friends, boyfriends, all that stuff's going to fill it. But at the end of the day, the deep rooted issue that you have, it's not going to be fixed until you face it head on with God. And I, and I mean, that took me till I was almost 21 to realize, oh wow, I have, I have a problem. Like I have a rejection issue deep rooted inside of me from my dad and I'm looking for it in all the wrong places. Hmm.
0: Wow. So you know, your, your middle school, um, where, where, where is it taking, where's middle school taking you into high school?
1: So middle school, I was still living up in the Orlando area and, um, it, my mom had taken a position up there, which always had her extremely busy and I didn't have any family there except for my older brother. So I was always at friends' houses and mainly that girl who started smoking cigarettes with me. Then she introduced me to drinking. So seventh grade, I think, was the first time I ever really had like a drink drink. Okay. And, then, um, and then she dabbled in a little bit of drugs as well and that didn't hit until about eighth grade. Right. So it's like all of these things that I'm experiencing and and I would um, I would tell her all the time, I'm like, yeah, you know, like with with everything that I went through, like I always felt like, you know, like I just like kind of wanted to die. Like I didn't want, I don't want my life to be like this. And she's like, oh, well, like I cut myself, you should cut yourself with me. And I'm just like, okay well I don't know what that means but okay like does it make you feel better because anything to make me feel good about myself would be great and then you know like started to self-harm like for for a little bit but then I think I think I kind of like looked at myself in the mirror like this is not who you are like why are you doing this like
0: how did that how so how did that start again so is it like uh so she introduced (laughs) this concept to you
1: Yeah. She, she like, she would get really drunk and she would do it in front of me actually. And I would watch her just cut herself right in front of me. And like that, like scarred me. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, is she okay? But then she would tell me like how good she felt doing it. And, you know, and I was just like, Oh, okay. And I mean, 110%, it's a cry out for, for help. It it really is. And it's just like, you know, like, look at me, look at what's going on with me, like focus on me. That 's mm-hmm. all it really is,
0: yeah, wow, and so you started doing it because she showed you how to do it, she-
1: yeah, yeah, and i I like I hid it for i I actually don 't think till this day my mom even knows some of the things that i I would do because you know i i um I kind of over the years submitted that to God and kept it very personal to myself and just between me and the lord yeah. but um but yeah, it was it was pretty crazy and i and I think back to it, and i you know, I, I do ministry where like I'll be with middle schoolers, and I'm just like, whoa, like thinking about you doing what I was doing is actually extremely scary.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, because these kids are like, I mean, I mean, I remember when I was seventh grade, I, I was super impressionable. I had no idea what anything was. Honestly, I thought I was smart. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's just it's tough, and especially now these kids got it. I mean, personally, I think these got it. They got it tougher because you've got so many voices in their life, and any one one of them can be crazy. You know? Right. They need God. I don't know. Yeah. So you're you're um you're you're starting to cut now, and you probably, probably just, just it, it was short lived.
1: Oh uh, yeah, very short lived. And um, it it was soon after that. It was more like seventh and all of eighth grade. I started to like get bullied, and I went over to just could never ever forget this like just in my brain, I went over to two girls' house that I thought were my friends, and MySpace was just being introduced, so I went over there, and I called my mom, like, hey, am I allowed to make a MySpace, like, blah, 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 and she's like, okay, you know, that's fine, you know, whatever, like, I'll let you do it, and I'm like, okay, cool, so I made a MySpace with these girls, and I didn't have a computer at home, mind you, you know, we're barely making ends meet, and, I went into school, like, so that was, like, a Friday, I went to school Monday morning, and everyone was just looking at me, like, I don't even know, like, I killed their dogs, like, everyone was just looking at me, like, ew, like, there's, there's Caitlin, and this and that, and then I start hearing, like, rumors, and I'm, like, what is going on, and I guess the girls, like, put on there, you know, that, that I was, like, this big lesbian, and, like, I was this, and I was that, and I was nasty, and I was a hoe, and I was just, like, (laughs) i like 11 like or 12 like i don't even know how old i was like like uh, i guess like 11 or 12 and they didn't just do that but they would they messaged every girl in our school and would just message them and like say like things that i didn't even know were a thing like sexual things and this and that and i actually was completely bullied by most of the school because you know things were different you know back in the early 2000s when i was um when I was in middle school so it's like things weren't accepted certain types of ways and people judged people like crazy hard with bullying I mean bullying is still very real but it was so crazy to like be the one that was going through it and um yeah wow It was pretty crazy. And I think that's also what took a toll on me. Like, wow, I really like this is probably why my dad doesn't love me. This is probably why like these people don't love me because like this is probably who I am. Like these girls are telling me I'm certain I'm something. This is this must be who I am. And that just that started depression that 100 percent instilled it inside of me. And then anxiety started and I would have panic attacks and it all of that. Just completely stemmed from that moment that, wow yeah
0: how, how how long did that last what did you do
1: so it lasted probably until like the end of eighth grade and then I um I started to like tell my mom that I was being bullied and like girls would sit down next to me at lunch and just start punching my rib cage and then they would get up and leave yeah It was crazy. Like I think back to it now and like I finally told my mom and my mom is your typical Italian New Yorker and she's just like, oh my God, like if they do that again, like make sure they hit you first and then you'll hit them back and don't stop hitting them till they don't get up. And I'm just like, oh my God, what's happening? Like I'm like this big when I was in middle school and I'm just like, my mom is like telling me it's okay to fight back, you know, if someone's hitting me. So I think it was like the end of eighth grade, a couple of these girls like stood up to me and I finally stood up for myself. And I was like, well, I mean, if you guys are looking for a fight, I'll fight you. And then they were just like, no, we don't want any problems. And they stepped down for me. And I'm like, oh, that's all it took was to just defend myself. And that, I mean, it was it was a good thing and a bad thing for me because the bullying definitely stopped for the rest of the school year. And, you know, that summer, like I, Like It's weird. All these people I thought were my friends, but obviously they were just bullying me that whole past year. But it also instilled a very hard heartedness inside of me. And Mm -hmm. I thought that, okay, fighting is okay. As long as I feel threatened, fighting is fine. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, caused more anger issues, more depression and all of that just led into my high school years.
0: You know, I I always thought that like, you know, if, if a middle schooler, you know, stands or bully someone it's paper, you know, so if you just, someone would just stand up to them, you know, they'll problem. But I never thought about the other side. Like what happens to someone who does muster it all up and then finds that out and then finds out that their problems are being resolved by bowing up and fighting what right. you're willing to fight. It's crazy. Yeah. So you're in high school now.
1: Yeah. So, um, I moved back. I moved back to my hometown after that, and I didn't know anyone except for my cousins that went to the same high school as me. And everyone was extremely straight edged in the town that I lived in. (laughs) They were, (laughs) nobody did anything like smoking cigarettes, drinking, you know, smoking weed. That was not a thing at all. You were doing Uh, all that before. Huh?
0: You were doing all that before?
1: Right. Yeah. In middle school, I was just doing that with, you know, a couple of like my girlfriends and and some guys that we knew, like a a lot of skater dudes I used to hang out with. But, um, but yeah, so then into high school, my, as a freshman, I didn't really do much and I kind of stayed very low key. I didn't talk to anyone and I, and I just, you know, I was like, okay, I need to start feeling this out. Like these people are really like straight edge. I don't have any friends that are going to do anything with me. So then, um, I want to say it was about halfway into the year. I started meeting, meeting some, some girls and, they're actually like, some of them till this day are like some of my best friends, but started getting into the whole party scene. And, you know, in high school, you're a little bit older. So, you know, you look a little bit older, fake IDs, clubbing on the weekends, 15 years old in a club, you know, doing all of that, getting completely wrapped up into that whole lifestyle of just, this feels good. I can, I can do drugs and drink on the weekend and still be perfectly fine to come, go to school and, and be great. And um, that just, that all started, I think that, yeah, I was about a freshman at the, more sort of like the end of freshman year and, and then, you know, fighting anger. Oh, parties. If you looked at me or my friends the wrong way, I was the first one in your face fighting you for no reason.
0: Wow. And that, that started in middle school.
1: Yeah. Oh, what, yeah. Kind
0: of, what kind of drugs were you doing?
1: Um, So I was smoking a lot of weed. I did um, like Molly's, it's an ecstasy. I did cocaine, any, I mean, anything I could really get my hands on, nothing, um, nothing like super, super hardcore, but I mean, yeah, they're, they're pretty hardcore though. Like, you know, you think about what's in ecstasy and I'm just like,
0: I don't know if you've lost the barometer for what's, what's hardcore, but cocaine is, cocaine is hardcore.
1: It is very hardcore. But when you're, like, in it, you're just, like, you don't realize how bad it is. But, like, now that I really do think back, I'm, like, okay, yeah, it's pretty aggressive. It's an aggressive drug. But,
0: okay. yeah.
1: So, yeah.
0: You were only ninth grade, too.
1: Yeah. So, that didn't um, – I didn't start doing, like I, – I was just really smoking weed throughout high school. And then okay. – well, I was probably, like, m- more senior years when I started the, the more harder stuff.
0: okay. okay.
1: Yeah, but drinking every weekend, lying to my mom where I was, clubbing on the weekends, clubbing with a fake ID. I had a fake ID all throughout high school.
0: I assume I assume um guys were a part of this picture too.
1: Yeah, so um once I had gotten into the whole party scene, you know, going for older guys was my thing because it it was always like I I don't know, I feel like because they were like older and they like protection-wise, that's what I sought out for in a man to kind of like fill that void of my dad so it was always like older guys and obviously you can get like that's like a big deal you know when i'm going for like 22 year olds when i'm 15. and um and yeah so it was just going after the wrong type of guy and just making Mm -hmm. me feel
0: did you did you think through this kind of stuff or what was it just how you felt
1: No, I mean, this is, it was just kind of like how I felt. Like I just, I went with the flow in high school. I didn't, I I stopped caring because I went through the whole bullying stage and then I got into high school and I was like, all right, yeah, I mean, school's not that important to me. Like, I don't really care. Like, I'm just gonna kind of breeze through it, but I'm gonna do whatever I want. No one's gonna tell me what to do. Like I, you know, I'm not gonna be stepped all over. Like I went into high school with this, this whole idea of, No one will ever, you know, do anything again to make me feel vulnerable or inferior to them. Hmm. So I think, you know, that also attracts the wrong type of people in your life. You know, very toxic people.
0: You've been so hurt between your dad and all these people at school that you put a shell up and you go into a new new setting with this shell or this, like, prickly exterior, you know.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yes, definitely. And, And, you know, that was... That was bad, obviously, because it, you know, led me into this lifestyle that I was so addicted to. It was like if if no one was doing anything, I had to go find something to do because I couldn't stand being alone with my thoughts with, you know, because I, it's really funny because through all of this, I had never stopped believing in God. I stopped going to church and everything, but I never stop believing that someone was up there. And I always knew, I I knew who God was, but I, I never felt who God was. I, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but I never let myself feel that because I, I think I could have died so many times. I could have went to jail so many times. And I think like through all of this, God just had like this protection over me and I would go home at night afterwards and i would just i would pray and i would just be like god like i know i haven't talked to you in a long time but like i still feel like you're there and i'm lost and i don't know what to do but then i would get up in the morning i'm like okay i'm fine whatever drug i was on that made me feel crazy i'm fine so i don't need god i'm good so i'm gonna keep going
0: so you got high almost almost you're gonna have to explain that a little bit in a second but almost high, and then pray to god while you were high like after a night and then just kind of say yeah
1: i mean i would come home like either if i was like drunk or high or whatever and i and i would like want it to stop because like when you're going and partying and moving around you don't realize how it's, it's affecting you until you stop and then when you're alone in a room and it's spinning and you're seeing things and like things are happening like I would just like pray like, okay, like, God, I need you. I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Like, I, I need you to help me get through this. And I would like spaz out. And I also, you know, I, I dealt with anxiety and panic attacks. So on top of doing drugs that didn't really do me justice at all.
0: Sure. Sure. So, so, yeah, so how you almost died, what is that, what is that about?
1: Um, I mean, I have been to many different drug meetups with guns and, and, you know, people that are are not necessarily good. A guy that I was dating was much older than me. I think I was 16 or 17 and he was about 25. Mm -hmm. And he was a drug dealer. And I would just like go on runs with him and guns were pulled out on us many different times. And yeah. And then I, you know, getting in cars with friends who have been drunk driving, we got, I got into a bunch of car accidents where I had to jump in the passen like in the front seat as the driver. Because I was probably the one who only had like one drink and I was just high. So mm-hmm. I could blow into like a test and not test positive for alcohol, but I was just on drugs. Gotcha,
0: gotcha.
1: Yeah. So there's just many different scenarios and situations that I put myself in where I really could have died.
0: And okay. so you know, and the God has been protecting you since that time. So where where did it all change? Like what what's what's going on? You- so after
1: after high school, I still continued a little bit. I wanna say Oh, probably till about 2013 or 14, um, got a little bit crazier, turned 21, you know, went turned 18, then I turned 21 and everything just got worse. And then it was just, it was more drugs, more drinking, because now I can buy it and, or I can, you know, now I have older friends or, you know, so that got worse, um, you know, Filling, filling my voids emotionally with with different guys and just kind of being like, oh, okay, well, you just broke my heart. Okay, now I'm gonna go to this one. Oh, you broke my heart. Okay, I'm gonna go to this one. But in the process of this, I'm just like, okay, but drugs. So no guys, drugs. No guys. Okay, guys. Now drugs. Like it was like I didn't, I didn't know where I wanted to stay, and I was just like all over the place with that. And so that mm. flash forwarded to I want to say like 2013, 14. And I was driving one day and I literally told myself, I'm like, you have nothing else. Run into the tree and kill yourself because you're nothing. You have nothing. No one loves you. Everyone's just in it because you have good connects. You, you can party. You're loud. You're outgoing. You'll give people alcohol if they ask for it. That's all you're good for. So I was veering my car off the road and I just started crying and I felt this overwhelming warmness go through my body. And it was, I mean, then I, I didn't really know what it was, but I think it was truly like the Holy Spirit just being like, you you are, you have something, don't do this. And I turned the car around and I went straight to my grandparents' house. And i I sat there and I was really close to my grandparents. Like I said, they kind of raised me. And I sat there with my grandmother and I told her, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I should be doing. I, I, I believe in God, but I don't really know what that looks like anymore. And I know you guys have always raised me to love him. And I just, I don't know what that looks like anymore. And I just want to die every single day. And of course, that broke my grandmother's heart listening to me say that to her. And, you know, this, ha- this also happened, you know, after a, like my first real big heartbreak you know, leaving me for another girl, making me feel like I'm not good enough. You know, it's being cheated on. It was just how it was not, not being number one, always being like the side girl or, or whatever. And all of this just built me up to that moment where I was like, wow, I'll be perfectly fine if I'm just dead right here.
0: So you were rejected by multiple guys or by one guy? Like they were, (laughs) I mean,
1: it was. I mean, it was like little flings. And then there was one specific guy where I was like, oh, wow, I've never been in love before. And, and like, he seems to be it. And I I think I was like about 19, 20. I mean, it was an ongoing thing for almost five years, just back and forth, back and forth. And he actually ended up leaving me for a way younger girl. And, and I was just like, whoa, like, what don't I have that she has and I wasn't good enough and this and that. Like he's, he's fighting to do more things for this one person, but like, I'm of age. We can, we can go out. Like I don't have a bedtime or like, I don't have a curfew. And you know, what, what did I do wrong? Mm. And that, you know, triggered once again, that rejection of, okay, so I'm not good enough. And my dad left. So every guy that's coming into my life will leave every time. Wow. Yeah.
0: So you're, you're flash forward, you're at your grandparents' house and you're kind of revealing all this stuff to them. Like I want to die every day.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was more to just my grandmother because I didn't want to, I don't know. I, I, I didn't want to say anything anyways, but I, I always, um, idolized how my grandmother lived her life as a Christian and her story and everything. And I knew if I came to her with that, like she would pray over me and she just had like just this sense about her where anytime I was in her presence, I felt calm. And, you know, that was because she had just, you know, the overwhelming peace of God over her. And it was just so amazing to just see that. And yeah, so she prayed for me. And then she was like, well, listen, if you want, you can start volunteering with me at the church. And at this point, I couldn't keep a job to save my life because I was doing a hundred different things. So I was like, all right, you know, I was babysitting here and there, babysitting (laughs) Um but uh <laughs> but yeah so I was like all right I'll come to the church I'll I'll volunteer and and I started volunteering and folding papers for Sunday morning and you know just doing a bunch of stuff like helping people out around the church and um I'll never forget this one day I was like walking down the halls and I was singing and the worship leader of the church that I went to actually was like hey come here. And she like pulled me into her office and she was like, girl, you got a voice. And I was just like, no, I was like, I I don't really like sing like that though. And she's like, do me a favor. We're doing, you know, our auditions for the worship team. She's like, come, I would love to, you know, audition you and this and that. And I was just like, okay, yeah, whatever. So I actually never ended up going. And then months later, I was like, "All right, whatever. I'll go." Like I've been going to church now for about a month and a half. I'll, I'll go. So I ended up going and making the worship team and she just kind of took me under her wing and, you know, this specific person really 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 truly showed me what a relationship with God looked like. It wasn't I had to be any certain type of way. It wasn't it wasn't really anything. It was just come as you are. Because he loves you and he died for you and he forgives you for everything. She looked at me in my face and she was like, Kate, she's like, do you know, after everything that you've done, everything that you've been through, God still loves you for exactly who you are. And I was like, no, because everyone rejects me. No one loves me. And I don't really feel like being loved by anyone because I don't have enough love to give around and I'm done. I'm done loving people. I'm done trying with people. And she's like, but that's the thing. You don't have to do anything and i was just like all right so you know and and that that concept can be really hard to, for anyone to grasp really because sure. you know you're just like ew, we're gross we're we're people who just do these crazy things to people all day long you know we're 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 sinners we're terrible and she would just take me under her wing i mean i could call her at 2 a.m. and just be like hey i'm super depressed and you know i need someone and she would be there for me mm-hmm. so then in this process it was probably like a good year. She really molded me into this this worship leader that she um, she felt like God was calling me to be. And I was like, God's calling me into a, a leadership position now in the church? Like, I was like, hold up. This is all too much. So oh, yeah. then, like, I, I, like, backed away from it and I, I fell off again. And I kind of, and I want to say that I was probably, like, 20 at that point. And I like fell off again and I was like, no, 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 it's too much. I I can't, it's too much. I don't want people to start looking at me for, you know, advice and this and that. Like, I'm not a person that they, anyone can come to right now. Like I'm broken and I, and I will, I'm unfixable. So, um, so then like I ended up leaving that church actually. And I still kept in contact with this girl and, and anytime I needed her, she'd be there for me in a heartbeat. But then a couple of my like younger friends were like, Hey, all right, you don't really go to church. Like we get that. We know how you feel about church. Um, you know, cause I would always say like, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Like I can just do my thing from home and I don't need anyone. Like I just, I need me and God. And I'm just like, but I'm like the most extroverted outgoing person ever. Like I'm like, I need people. Like I can't not have friends in my life. And you know, God single-handedly like says you need community. Yeah. So I was like, all right. So they invited me to a young adults group and I ended up going and worship was absolutely amazing this night that I went and I just found myself like, I've, I've never been like an expressive worship like person. Like I just, I never really raised my hands or anything, which it's not like, you don't have to do that to worship, but it's just like an expression of worship. And I fell to my knees and I had never done that before. I didn't even know what was happening to me. And I just felt this overwhelming feeling over me, the same feeling I felt right before I really was about to like drive my car right into a tree. And I was like, I felt this before. I, I don't know what this is, but I felt this before. And I was like, I'm going to be more open to it. And I started praying and I felt God, you know, not audibly tell me, but I felt in my heart, God was saying, this is going to be your home church. And this is where I'm going to change your life. And I was like, whoa, and from that moment on, I put everything down. I became sober, I didn't do anything anymore i uh you know i would I would go out every now and again, but i I had to really take a complete break from it mm-hmm. because it was too tempting to be out and not want to you know do stuff but yeah. i uh yeah it was a it was a riveting moment, and it was this like life altering feeling of overwhelming love that I had never experienced before. And I was like, if I didn't think God was real before, God is really real because I had never felt this before from any human, any drug, any alcohol, any party, anything. And wow. I was like, I want this forever. I don't even care what I have to do to get it.
0: Wow. So cold turkey after after like after like what I would think is discipleship with uh, an older mentor like a mm. older lady um not that much I don't know no idea who that is but then a uh, community around you and then like getting plugged into a church and then a worship setting yeah you had a whole wave of uh love and, and like just peace mm-hmm. over you
1: yeah and and it was crazy because I didn't think that I could stop all these things that I was doing because I was so I was so addicted to it I was addicted to that lifestyle of of Yes, I, I want more of that. I, I need more of that. Like I need the drugs to numb me the alcohol to numb me from what I'm feeling. And I'm not saying that it hasn't been a journey or hard because I mean, it's the toughest thing to just remain on that straight and narrow path. But through it all, God completely continues to show his love for me. Every single time I feel like I'm going to fall, yeah. you know, and, and there there are always going to be moments where I'm going to feel weak, but you know, in my weakness, he's, oh. he's my strength.
0: So after, after those moments, um, and after this, like little kind of life-changing decision, uh, where are you now? Like, how, where's a walk with God taking you? How you said it's been hard, it's been easy, it's been ups and downs. What are the biggest challenges that I'm you face with God? by your side?
1: So, um, you know, as, as I started attending this church, I actually, um, ended up dating one of the young adult pastors. And this was completely different for me. I'm like, Whoa, like I'm dating a pastor and you know, people like, I have like a bunch of tattoos and people would look at me like, you're with that girl. She seems a little little (laughs) for you. Like you're a pastor. And you know, and I had joined the worship team there and I became a worship leader. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, I was singing there every, every Sunday. And I was dating a pastor and, you know, we were just going through like these moments together. And I think because I had never known what a real relationship looked like, I think God brought this guy into my life as a season to show me this is, this is what love looks like in a relationship. And, um, where, I mean, we're not together anymore, but I couldn't be more blessed that God brought that specific person into my life because he did, he showed me what it looks like, you know, to put God as the center of your relationship, instead of, you know, putting all these other things above, above, you know, God, and, and I think that, you know, God will bring people into your life for a season. But, you know, through this trial, like that, I went through, it was, you know, really tough, because I had lost my grandmother, actually, um, who was, who was like my everything, you know, she's the one who taught me everything about God. She's the one that I would confide in about everything. And, you know, I, um, I had, I had, um, signed up to go on a missions trip for the first time. Like since I like really, really, really like gave myself to the Lord again. And I think I was like 21 or 22 and my grandmother died a day before this missions trip. And I was like, Whoa, so now I have to fly out and me and the young adults pastor had recently broken up and it was like, I'm um, the first thing I wanted to do was just go out, you know, completely get rid of this trip. I don't even care how much money I spent on getting, you know, whatever or the fundraising, I don't care, you know, and, and then my grandpa gave me a letter and the letter had money in it and it was my grandmother. She wrote me a letter and it said, it doesn't matter what happens in life you're meant to go on this trip because you were always meant to lead people and to care for people and to love people. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I guess I'm going. And oh, I actually
0: that's from the beyond the grave. You can't you can't, you not, can't bro.
1: I know. So you know and and it's really crazy because she actually bought me this Bible years ago on Christmas and I'm like really I got a bible for Christmas and (laughs) and she wrote the in the um like, on the cover, and it's Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That was, like, her go-to thing for me, because I always felt very weak in everything I did, and she's like, well, you can do anything through Christ, because He's your strength. Kate, you are not strong, but He's your strength, and that was always my go-to verse, Mm -hmm. no matter how, like, cliche of a Christian to be like, oh, well, you can do all things through Christ, but she had gave me this Bible and that was my travel Bible. So I was like, you know, reading more into the word and just getting really close with God because I was like, I don't want to fill the void of my grandmother's death with drugs. I don't want to fill the void of me breaking up or me and, and um, the young adults pastor I was dating. I don't, I don't want to take that breakup and fill it with alcohol or, or do this. So I was filling it with God and I actually get to Panama and we have these cots and, on each cot is like a little card and it's like a welcome card saying, like, oh, welcome to, to the beautiful, you know, city of Panama. And each person had a specific scripture verse on their card. And no. my scripture verse was Philippians four no. thirteen. I can do all things for Christ who no. strengthens no. me. And no. and then, you know, prior a couple of days prior to that, I had gotten that letter from my grandmother, and I was like, Whoa. No. Like God really does have a hand in everything that you do and, and you just don't even realize it until you're open minded to it. Yeah. And you know, so there there's been many trials of that. Um another like breakup I, I recently went through, just a lot of hardships and staying focused, staying on the right track and you know, it's a I mean it's a struggle. Every day it's a struggle. But
0: example of struggle. Just
1: like, you know, I actually almost got married twice. And I think I have just this super high standard of marriage from what I saw, like my dad fail with my mom that I get scared. And that's something currently that God's working on me with is, you know, it's going to be hard. Marriage is going to be hard, Kate. Like, why do you keep, you keep, you know, breaking up with people and I'm bringing you people into your life, but you know, and, and I think that's like the biggest hardship that I'm going through right now is, you know, that there's worth in me because God is in me. And I guess the the biggest hardship is feeling like it's, it's okay to put a wall down and let someone in that God has for me. And that person will come along because that person will understand what I'm going through. And understand where my standards lie, but you know God is still breaking down a couple of my walls to get me to that point.
0: But yeah, yeah. But well, yeah. we're not we're not finished pieces, you know. There's like there's this right. aspect of you know scripture that says like we are continually being shaped into His image. It's just it's just where we are. You've taken a long you've you've had a long journey and a long road, and God's been with you the whole time, as you can as you've said, and. Uh, right. Super grateful. Hey, look, we're going we're gonna to wrap this, um, this up, but I, I want to I know two things before we go. Where, where are you being taken to now? Like, what's the future look like for Kate? What are, what, what are you doing with, with God? What's going on?
1: Um, so I'm actually not too sure yet. I think mm-hmm. that God has, I think he has like big plans for me, but I don't really know where that is right now. And I think that's okay. I think, you know, in the waiting is not the most terrible place to be. But, you know, I think that God is calling me into a place of leadership somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just really, I think this is a moment in my life that I've never been in where I actually don't really know where God is going to bring me. And we're all scared of the unknown, but all I know is God is showing me to put a lot of trust in him because, you know, I still, you know, I still sing at my, at my church and, you mm-hmm. know, I, I do a lot of that stuff. I I actually just found out that the company I've been working for for a while is shutting down. So it's like, now I'm, I'm out of a job and, and looking. And I think this is another phase of God saying, okay, we'll put your trust in me because I have things for you. Yeah. And that's kind of like where I'm at right now. But I mean, my walk with him is not perfect and I'm definitely not perfect, but every day I will strive to be Christ-like because that's, that's what he calls me to do.
0: Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no perfect people here in, uh, in God's kingdom. In, right. In, there's only one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Scott.
0: <laughs> um, let's, let's, I'm super happy and I am super glad to understand a little bit of where you've been and what God has been doing in your life. I'd like to ask you one last question. Why do you think God is awesome, Kate?
1: God is awesome because even though we are so imperfect in these sinners, He just continues to love us for exactly who we are. And that is the most awesome thing that anyone could ask for because there are some people that it's really hard to love. And unconditionally, that love that He shows is just amazing. And he's
0: just so awesome in that way. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, we're going to say hi to a couple of our friends who just joined us through this live podcast. Okay. We we're going to say what's up. Carrie says what's up to you, Kate. Our friends, Levi and John have been in here. Um, if you guys have any questions for Kate, uh, let us know in the comments section below. If you uh, are catching this on the replay, give us a hashtag replay maybe even a let's go Kate. Um, yeah. Just a thank you to Kate for uh, being here with us. Um, be sure to share uh, this her testimony with someone that you might feel like might relate to Kate. And I'm sure uh, knowing Kate, I know that she would she would be happy to maybe speak to some people. I, I don't know. Um. So for I- sure, I, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Levi says Kate was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. So uh, yeah. Thanks, Levi. Yeah, Kate, uh, it has been a pleasure knowing you uh, for so long. And I can't wait to see where God takes you. And see you. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for being on. This yeah,
1: podcast. of course. Thank you.
0: You guys, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Um, like, share, review, um, review us. We're, really, we're building a community here of people who really think God is awesome. Uh, we'll see you guys next time.